You're listening to Creative Thursday, episode number 246. Welcome to Creative Thursday with Marisa Ann Cummings. We're talking all things life, business, and creativity with a special focus on helping artists confidently and consistently sell their creations to their ideal collectors online. Intended to inspire and empower you wherever you are on your creative journey, both personally and professionally. Enjoy and thank you for listening. Hello, buongiorno. I am uh, preemptively saying hello from Italy because if all goes well according to plan with our traveling, I will be in Italy when this episode comes live to you. And my story I want to share with you today, actually it's a question that comes up often that I can't wait to answer and share my, well, share my thoughts on this because I think this is a discussion, really a conversation. So I also preemptively say, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this conversation, something that we will definitely want to continue. But this trip is tied into what I want to talk to you about today, which is, let me just dive right in. So, you know, I love my expansive artist members, and we have a lot of good conversations in the group. And I always appreciate when they bring questions in like this one from Michelle. And sometimes we're focusing a lot on certain elements of growing our business. And sometimes I just really want to talk at length about a particular question. And so I bring it here to the podcast as well to dive a little deeper and also share some insight with you who may not be part of the expansive artists yet, but I know you're coming to join us. I know you are. Um, We have so many exciting things coming up and happening, which quickly, by the way, I gave a sneak peek in last week's Creative Thursday 3, which is my weekly email that accompanies the weekly podcast. And you might have seen a little PS at the bottom at the small studio Sunday invite.com. We are the expansive artists are having their first event. It's a virtual art event, a pop-up online gallery with 50 plus artists. And I am proud to host us on Sunday, August 29th. So if you would like to get all the details about our event, our upcoming event, be the first to know when the online gallery opens on August 29th, get that link right away, then join us. Just register to get on the invite list at Small Studio Sunday invite.com and we'll keep you in the loop 
I'll be sharing more details with you as well on next week's podcast episode. But to say I'm excited that this is coming into reality is an understatement. I've always had vision for our creative community, and I have recently been reminded how is vital the right word? It's the word that's come into mind. How vital it is to really be a part of the changes that are happening in society and the changes that need to happen in society. Not that we're going to throw everything out from the past, but let's keep it real. When it comes to the creative industry, there are a lot of changes that a lot of healthy changes that are in the works. I've been listening to some pretty powerful conversations lately across all boards of the creative industry. And oh, I just can't wait to share more with you. So for now, first things first, join us for the Small Studio Sunday event. More details to come on next week's podcast episode. Stay in touch at creativethursday.com so you get on that weekly email list. And to join us for Small Studio Sunday, just go to smallstudiosundayinvite.com. And as I was starting to say, this is a question, sometimes questions come up in the expansive artists that I like to bring further to you and just to explore the topic here on the podcast because they're really good conversations. And like I said, I love to hear from you, your thoughts on this as well. So Michelle was asking us, she said, I love making the art that I make, but I still struggle at developing or finding my own unique style. I mostly work on realistic pieces and also on children's illustrations. Any suggestions of good reads, artistic approach, or other resources that could inspire my research? Such a beautiful question. And I mean, if I were in a room and I could see you right now, all of you, how many people, how many artists would raise their hand and say, I struggled with this? I feel like first and foremost, this is this is the artist journey is cultivating your own unique voice, or some people refer to it as your signature style. And today I want to share with you my top three approaches to finding your unique artist voice, the way that it worked for me. Now, I am a self-taught artist. I say mostly, I always qualify that because I did take classes in high school and I took classes in college. I majored in communications, journalism and communications. I majored in advertising, which now I am so grateful I did because uh, other truth about today's world, communication is one of the most powerful skills that you can cultivate in yourself and refine over time. We'll be talking more about that in coming episodes as well. And advertising worked beautifully, right, for an entrepreneur that I didn't know I was going to be because we talk about writing, design, uh, marketing. It's It could not have been a more perfect choice. But at the time, I was really frustrated because I couldn't, there was no minor in art. There was just an outside concentration. So that's what I did. 
I had an outside concentration that consisted of, I think, I took black and white photography, I took ceramics, and I took two different drawing courses. I did figure drawing and the other drawing, we did a lot of still life. And I remember just working on huge pieces of paper, charcoal, gesso. I still have some of those pieces. I was just thinking in my mind, I've got to find a way to pull those out and share some of those on Instagram. I haven't looked at them in a while. And as I delve into delve into finding a new part of my voice, honestly, refining my voice right now, evolving my voice, maybe. Uh, well, actually both. I'm doing both. I've just, you know, been revisiting a lot of the beginning for me. So I love having the opportunity to share my thoughts with you on this question about finding your unique voice. So that was a little bit of backstory just to say I have been partially trained, but but not extensively. And I did not major in school. And for the record, this this is always this is always uh made me feel sort of not so great. Um it it really chipped away at my confidence early When I was in high school, I applied for a lot of AP classes, which I believe are advanced placement. And I was trying to get a lot of credits going into college. I was, you know, big surprise. I was super ambitious, a little bit competitive and wanting to be an A student. And I thought, I mean, I look at my work from that time and I thought there's no question I'm going to qualify for AP art. And I didn't. I did not. I was rejected. It was my first rejection as an artist. And those those moments kind of stay with you. I thought, oh, gosh, I thought I was kind of good here. I thought I had some natural talent. And uh, I still remember the teacher. And boy, that was a massive bummer for me. And I still fully don't understand it because some of that work is good. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. For someone who had zero training, wow, I had something. So anyway, we have to cultivate that within ourselves first and foremost. So let's, let's start there. First, repeat after me, I am an artist. And uh, don't let anyone tell you, by the way, that you can't call yourself that. That's just absurd. Yeah, a story for another day. I am an artist. If you feel called to be an artist, please follow that calling. Uh, If you feel little hesitancy around the word artist, then I want all of you, even if you are listening and you are not claiming yourself as an artist, all of you are creative. Just go open to the first page of my book from 2012. I believe everyone is creative. If I haven't shared that with you uh, recently, I just want to remind you of that, okay? So when we come from that place, now we want to begin thinking about how to cultivate our voice. You don't want to start cultivating your voice from a place of doubt, imposter syndrome, um, maybe I'm not an artist, I'm not good enough. That is not going to be a a mindset that's conducive to creativity, inspiration, flow, the muse, whatever you want to call it. And I've been reminded of this recently, and I've been doing a lot of work in this area myself. Our language, our words, 
the way we choose to speak to ourselves, especially in our own minds, it reveals a lot. And it is important to just become aware of your language. So I remind you to begin this journey, listen to this podcast from a place of, I am creative. I am an artist. In this room with me, you are. So we're going to dive in from there. So number one of how to cultivate your voice as an artist is to connect to your childhood memories. And with the other work I'm doing on healing right now, I fully appreciate that maybe for some of you, those memories might not be so good. So what I invite you to do instead is to connect with what brought you joy. And if you can, connect with all of the memories because those are all a part of what will influence your voice. A lot of times our art is a way of processing, exploring our lives. And many incredible artists are able to take even really painful experiences and transform those into incredible artistic works. So really coming to peace with a joyful childhood, a disruptive childhood, a combination of both, but honing in on what, what really, you know, excited you as a kid, what lit you up, what, what just, what did you just naturally gravitate towards that hopefully was cultivated beyond that time, but maybe was shut down. I know for many people it was. So see if you can tap into that. And the reason I share that uh, with you here is that I became known for my characters. And I do have to say, having given myself a little distance from them, I am so in love with them more than ever before because I realize they are truly what is unique about the work that I create. Nobody can create them with the feeling that only I can bring to them. And they honestly started... I now know I can see it. This was not a conscious choice, but I see it in two ways they started. One was uh, when I was young, I was an only child. I had two half siblings who were much older than me and were not living at home. They were my dad's children. So I had a half brother and a half sister. And so it was just me. Being an only child has its benefits, it does, but it's also lonely. And I was a kid who connected with stuffed animals and dolls and also my animals. My my it's hard to say pets, right? <laughs> because they feel so much like a part of your family, especially today, right? Pepita, Pepita is here. Um I connected with my dog and my cats, and I just was also a kid who grew up partly here in California, was outside a lot, and just connected to nature in many ways. So for me, 
having that connection with animals was just present. And then I also gravitated towards tiny things. (laughs) Don't know what that's about. I loved miniatures and I loved my dollhouse. I've talked about this before. I could spend hours creating a home in the dollhouse. So there is also a clue there that I love design. I do love home. Um, I love family and I love to make things for the dollhouse. So there was all this creativity that was happening. I would, I would sew pillows and I would, and did I tell you? I had to tell you. I, this still blows my mind. I made eyeglasses for this tiny doll. <laughs> I had this whole family going on. I built a story around them, everything. And I don't know why I decided to make her eyeglasses around a twisty tie. So I pulled the wire out of the twisty tie and I made her eyeglasses and I made her an eyeglass case out of felt. Now, why on earth I decided she needed glasses and no, they did not stay on. They're very, they're very flimsy. I just personally, I'm like, how did I even think to do that? I made a milk carton out of cardboard and paper and everything was tiny. Everything was really tiny. I've had really good eyesight all the way up until now. I'm still kind of hanging on there. Um, I just could see everything clearly as well. And so I just loved things that were small. Now, couple that with what are my characters. They're mostly animals and they're very small. And the work I do is small. The other side to me that came through is color. And I do believe that that was cultivated a little bit later in life, uh, my mom and my dad, they definitely had a lovely design aesthetic. And I was influenced often by uh, traveling to Germany when I was young and seeing my grandparents. And there's a beautiful aesthetic in so much of German design. And I was drawn to that. That's like a very comforting, very, it's warm, but it's sophisticated. And just I fell in love with so much of the home design when I was a kid. And this combination led me into working as an interior designer and a graphic designer were two of my early career paths. And I ended up working for my favorite boss, Marty, and she loved color and being around all the fabrics in her interior design studio. So she was a residential designer and I was her assistant. And she just really influenced me around color. There was a designer. There still is a designer. I loved her incredible combinations. Her name is Trisha Guild. She's from the UK and her books under the Designers Guild brand. Incredible. This culminated into what I would call Creative Thursday, what is known as Creative Thursday. But it starts from childhood and then the way that what I needed, I just shared with you that rejection story. I often felt alone. I I often, I didn't really feel championed by a lot of people, to be honest. I kind of felt like a loner. And I probably kept to myself more in that way. I was kind of trying to get through my childhood to get to adulthood. 
and I wasn't thrilled. <laughs> I wasn't thrilled with most of the people around me. I felt like they didn't get me and I didn't get them. And some of that was that I just, as an only child, you also grow up faster. I did, for the record, feel supported by my parents, for sure. I really appreciate that. I had some wonderful teachers who championed me, and I did have some lovely friends in between. Um, But I had a lot of people that I just felt like I didn't jive with, and I created, I ended up creating characters that supported me. And I think one of the reasons that they supported the, one of the reasons that people connect with them so deeply is that they feel supported by those characters. So that's actually a little bit more backstory than I intended to share with you, but I don't think I've ever clarified from today's perspective how I see my unique style that developed other than piecing together all of those parts of me that I shared with you. Because I know I'm known for color. I know that I'm known for the characters. Uh, The simplicity in my work, I once explained, was due to living in Los Angeles and needing to have space around me, being in a big city. And so I found it in my art. I still very much crave simplicity more than ever and breathing space. And so you can see, I hope that you can see, I hope it's helpful to hear all those pieces to my story, how that was influencing my work. So I would go into these characters and they became this really sweet place for me to exist, a safe place for me to be. And it felt like in hindsight, they were cheering me on to pursue my dreams, my passion to work as an artist. And they were just really sweet. And they certainly encompass a lot of my nature. You know, I would say that at the core of me, it's a pretty sweet nature, uh, pretty joyful. And uh, don't cross me. (laughs) Don't. Because I I take a lot. And then when I'm done, I'm like really done. And uh, I have definitely uh, sour, salty, um, I will, you know, call out truth in things. And I think that's one of the reasons that, granted, I know it's my truth. I know it's not always everyone's truth, but I kind of do believe in universal truth. And I feel that they are all front-facing for that reason. They're like, we're here. We see you. Uh, We don't need to turn sideways. (laughs) And there's a part of me that's just lazy. And I don't want to, (laughs) I don't want to be doing profiles of people. Honestly, a lot of my work is also created out of simplicity of creation and not wanting to do all the detail because I did start with realistic. I started with realistic painting, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment with number two. And so I know what it takes to create a portrait and to paint something in three dimensions. And I used to do perspective renderings as well of entire interior rooms when I worked as an interior designer. So you might look at my work and say, oh, that's really um, simple. Or I know naive is also an art term. Uh, 
that is said with respect, but some people might just go, wow, that's really simple. (laughs) I don't know. Whoever those people are, I don't really need to hear from them, but I'm sure there's that judgment out there. And I go, yeah, that's by choice. Uh, That's by choice. There's a lot that I can do both in my business and my art that I chose not to do. And I'm really glad that I followed uh, those choices and didn't just try to replicate a career or work to be respected in the eyes of people that don't really understand what it takes. Uh, I've learned recently, just a quick side note on simplicity, I have learned that in order to take very complex concepts, and now I think, oh, that must be true with art as well, and simplify them, uh, you actually have to be good at it. You have to be really good at your topic as a teacher to do that, and you have to be good at your art to do that as well. I'm just going to throw that out there. Anywho, <laughs> here we go. So... All of that to say, that's what I believe created my style, plus some early influences. So let's talk about number two. Number two. So number one is to connect with your childhood, your memories, uh, your joy, even what uh, to whatever degree you feel comfortable, you know, reflecting upon the uncomfortable parts. Like I said, I felt alone and these were not conscious choices. So if you're creating now, you you may be thinking about this more than I did, but these came through. And I think ultimately, whether you're approaching developing your voice from a conscious perspective or not, you will come through your art. So if I remind you at the beginning that you're creative and you're an artist, I also remind you that It's inevitable if you trust, trust, trust me on this, and you continue to create work, it will reflect you. There's no way around it. Uh, It really, it's you. So it's, it's also, this journey is also about acceptance and embracing who you are. And, uh, I was just thinking of one of my members I have the pleasure of working with who often says, you know, I want it to look like a dragon, but it comes out like a stuffed animal. I totally relate to that because a lot of times I want my work to look a little different and it just continues to come out this way. And I think I'm certainly, you know, working on cultivating other um, evolute well in evolution right now, but I still also have come to love what just naturally comes through. So this brings me to number two, which is learning. And the other way to develop your voice is to learn from others. So one of the benefits for me is that I, because I learned so little from others, I felt it was a service for me in the beginning to develop my own voice, but I was definitely influenced by, I saw a lot of artists creating characters when I was starting in like 2006, 2007, actually it was before that. And I know, I think the Darkling was created in 2005. I'm like looking over at my, my, my painting. And so I was starting to notice certain kinds of work. Certainly there's a whole movement in Los Angeles as well with just incredible character, uh, people, illustrations, nothing that was realistic, like very 
um, super realistic or just exaggerated. I think it was called the, some of it was the lowbrow movement here in Los Angeles. Forgive me if I get that wrong. I'm not following all the terms correctly. There was just a vibe and a feeling that was being developed at that time. I was also influenced by Joe Soren. A friend of mine introduced me to his work and I just thought, oh my goodness, this is incredible. And it is one of the reasons that the eyes on my characters are wider apart. I noticed what a difference that made, uh, just separating the eyes further than where they usually are on someone's face. It's pretty incredible when you start developing faces and how just the tiniest little shift makes a difference. And so all of this began to influence a desire to create my own characters, but I didn't learn from anyone. And that was for two reasons. One is I was totally intimidated. I didn't want to put myself in any situation where I might feel critiqued and take it in such a way that it would shut me down again. I just didn't trust anybody. And I also didn't want to be influenced. But I now am learning more and loving it, loving it and wishing. And sometimes I say, oh, I wish I had learned more then. But I I wish I was open to learning much earlier in my career in both, as you've heard me say, business and art. But but it's also fine because it's developed me into me now. And those experiences have given me so much passion and appreciation for the learning I'm currently doing and then able to share with you. So it's fine. It was exactly as it was meant to be. And now I love learning. And I just started learning from painters within the past, I'd say like seven or eight months. I took a couple little classes here and there, sat in on some at retreats. And every time Love you all, my love, my fellow artists. Every time I come away with at least one technique that I am able to implement and make mine, make mine, that's that's part of this, right? I want to replicate who I'm learning from. Um, I mean, I do initially, that's usually what we do and then make it yours. But I just, I think about it, like I use these things all the time and they all become a part of my work today. It's the coolest thing. Oh, and how can I forget? I have also had the great fortune of teaching alongside some of my favorite artists and just, you know, being in the room as a teacher, watching them teach. I've certainly absorbed that way as well. So now I'm obsessed with the creative learning. So I recommend that if as long as you can make that separation of, let's just talk about that for a minute because this came up one of our rem- members like so eloquently um, pointed this out. Hadley was talking about this in the thread, which is, you know, I know Austin Kleon, right, is pretty famous for a book, Steal Like an Artist. I just, I don't care for the word steal. <laughs> this doesn't work for me. But we, there are no new ideas. My Speaking of my boss, Marty, this was one of the first, first lessons I learned in design. She's like, there are no new ideas. And it's kind of true. There's no uh, new wisdom per se. There's no new design ideas. It's all been done somewhere. So let's just call it what it is. What makes it unique is what you bring to it, 
right? If you take ancient wisdom and you translate it from your perspective today, that's going to add uniqueness. If you take uh, someone's style of color or um, how they do their line work or, you know, you're just um, inspired by their work and then you bring something similar into yours but make room for you to come through in that representation, it's still going to be yours. But many of us do begin and it is, you know, there was this reminder, many of the masters replicated each other's work and I started, I've got to find these, this occurred to me just today, I made this Monopoly game. I loved Monopoly as a kid also. When I was a kid, this is when I was a teenager, and I watercolored. The Monopoly game was art. Nobody take this idea, because <laughs> I may do this. You were collecting art instead of property. And I replicated in watercolor many of the masterpieces really small, I've got to find this because I know I saved it. In fact, today I'm going to go look right away. If I get some photos, I'll share them with you in the email that goes out today. That's what I got to do. So I, they were really small. And I also, the way I started creating work was looking at something, either a still life, mostly flowers, and looking at photographs and replicating them identical, identically. And I don't know where this came from. No one taught me how to do it. I just, my eyes could see it. My eyes could translate it into paints. And it was like, it came out of nowhere when I was about 15. After I had been doing little illustrations and watercolor paintings, um, I used to take, I painted portraits of animals, even when I was a teenager in watercolor. And I did create for a little while these little tiny 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 again with the tiny I used to use embroidery frames and I made marker drawings I gave them to my grandmother my Oma and she had them all in her kitchen so she could see them every day while she was working in the kitchen she had them all behind this one frame and I just think oh I was making these characters then I had no idea I was I used to do this little dancer I think someone showed me how to do it once and then I, I made my version of it. But I digress. Clearly, I get a lot of joy thinking about these moments and going, oh my gosh, it was always there. That's what I'm saying to you. It's always there. In fact, there's one more part. Your voice is there. It's basically you getting out of the way and letting it come through. And what I'm sharing with you in today's tips are ways that you can activate that because I completely forgot I painted ceramics with my neighbor, Toots, who had her studio across the street. And as the only child who had just moved into the neighborhood, she was like a grandmother to me. And she invited me over and I would paint ceramics. She would just let me hang out in the studio. They were already finished forms, but of course I was drawn to all the animals. And she would show me this simple technique of gently putting like blush on the cheeks of the animals and in the ears, you know, giving them like this warmth. And I still use that in my work today. I completely forgot that. So that is also woven into the fabric of how I create. So one, as a reminder, your childhood. Two, 
to learn from others and be very clear on it's fine. Yes, we often all start by replicating work that inspires us, uh, work from the masters, we go to museums, but as soon as you can, and certainly never put for purchase something that looks like someone else's work. Okay, can we just say that for the record? Uh, And if you question it, it's probably, you know, if you question it, it's probably something to that. Um, You don't want to be looking like someone else's work and you want to cultivate your own voice as quickly as possible. But you can absolutely share work that has inspired you. And if you can tag the artist who has inspired you, um, I think it would be a shame if we didn't honor that in people. People have replicated my work and let me know about it as long as they're not selling it. Uh, I'm fine with that. I know that that's part of their process. I know a lot of little kids have looked at my book and replicated things that they've seen as well. And I'm very honored by that. So there is a journey that artists go on and we all learn. I think that would be fair to say in the education space too, right? We're all learning from mentors and then we are taking what we learn and we are interpreting it through our lens and our adding our experience to it. So it's, it's all the same. Number three is a real simple one. Practice daily. The daily paintings came out or the characters came out for me through the practice of daily painting. If I wasn't sitting down to cultivate that creativity, what started just once a week, creative Thursday, and then became uh, so much fun that I wanted to do it every day. If I hadn't have put that time into generating that work, I don't know that they would have evolved the way they did. A lot of them, one of my best characters and most favorite pieces ever came out on Halloween. I promised a daily painting. I'm like, I gotta quickly whip something up. I still have the sketch of this. I have the original sketch of this character. She's in my book. It's it's the very first drawing of my Ruby character. And she looks kind of like a little Cupid doll. And she's super tiny. <laughs> she's with the imaginary friend. The print was called Imaginary Friend. And I know who bought the original. I hope she still has it. I'm always saying if she ever if she ever didn't want it, I want it back. I love that piece so much. But it came out in a rush because I was like, oh my gosh, the day is almost over. I have to get my daily painting out. And it was just the imaginary friend was a little ghost because it was Halloween. An imaginary friend became one of my characters. And yes, I was a child who had an imaginary friend. I did. So see how it all ties together. If you can look at this like a discovery, like you're piecing together your own identity is maybe a bit strong, but you're piecing together your own um, heart and your 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 uniqueness, your what makes you special. It's so wonderful and ah. I had no idea I'd have this much to share with you. I literally sat down. I was like, we're we're knocking this one out in 15 minutes. But I think this is nice. Uh, So thank you, Michelle, for your your 
beautiful, thoughtful question. Thank you to our members who took time to respond. Everyone added something unique. That's why I would love to hear from you if you feel inspired to share. Please share with me, send me a DM, or um, you can leave comments on the creativethursday.com blog as well, where the podcasts are posted. But this has also been a nice record for me as to if you follow my work as an artist and you're a collector, to have more understanding around the evolution of my work. I mean, lastly, the characters came, as I've shared, from a show I did with four girlfriends that we were in the same co-op gallery together, and we called it The Darklings. Actually, there were five of us. And we made a, we all agreed to make a character that was a darkling. Creating dark characters is challenging for me. They're still sweet. They are skeptical. Did I mention that? They are skeptical. Uh, they they aren't just going to buy everything hook, line, and sinker. Um, sometimes they're a little sad. They are. They're a little bit sad, but they have good hearts. And so the darkling, when I look at him now, He's a little, he's concerned. <laughs> he's concerned, but he's very sweet. He almost looks like some kind of little alien. I don't know where he came from, but I love him. And I do have that original. And we, so we made a show. So sometimes participating in events, I'll just add on a bonus number four or number three, uh, number two A, learn from others, collaborate with others. And that can spark something new. I didn't know, spending so much time looking at realistic paintings, I didn't know that I could create something that was solely mine. And that really just came with setting an intention. We'll go full circle to the beginning of this episode. That really came with me saying, I want to do this. Let's see if I can. Because I really didn't think I was that good of an illustrator. I was, I've never been the kind of artist that could sit down with a sketchbook and just whip out these incredible drawings with nothing to visually in front of me to, um, to be able to follow. And so I kind of thought, mm, I don't know if I'm really that good at this because I've been around those artists and my mind is just, I'm like, how are they able to do this? And it's similar. I know one of the artists I worked with as a graphic designer, he, he sketched daily, daily. And he just made the most incredible illustrations. Uh, I do believe that he may have, did he major in art? can't remember. I can't remember. It kind of doesn't matter. It's just how much time are you willing to invest in the practice of your art? And we recommend daily. We really do. Things have to have the room to come through. So you have to set these intentions and then you have to get out of the way and you have to trust and see what comes through. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. As always, I hope that that's helpful and that uh, gets me so excited to talk about making art. It's just such a wonderful topic, isn't it? And there you have it. All right, so smallstudiosundayinvite.com. Come and join us for our art event, speaking of, and uh, ciao. Buongiorno. <laughs> 
Sean was telling me a list of things of what not to do in Italy. It's really fascinating. It actually inspires me. You may see it on Instagram. Uh, I'm going to create a series of what not to do as an artist. We're telling you a lot of what to do. I thought that it would be fun. We'll like weave in some humor, possibly some illustrations. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But Anyway, there are ways to greet from Italy, but you only use ciao when you are uh, less formal with people. I feel like we know each other well. So ciao, and I will be back with you again next week. Have a beautiful creative week. I know I am and I will with new art to share soon. Creative Thursday is recorded by me, Marisa. You can find all things Creative Thursday at creativethursday.com and learn about how I can support you in building and growing your thriving artist business at creativethursdaycourses.com. Be sure to hit subscribe to get the next episode as soon as it drops. And if this episode has inspired you, share it with a friend and fellow creative and leave a positive review so that more listeners can be introduced to the Creative Thursday message and mission to empower artists to know their worth, value their work, and consistently artfully sell to their ideal collectors online so that they can make more beautiful art all in support of living a life they love Coming together as a creative community, we uplift and support one another while encouraging and being an example for more people all over the world to dream big and believe in what is possible for them.